0: Chapter 10. The people in all places, kindly entreating us, dancing and feasting us with strawberries, mulberries, bread, fish, and other their country provisions, whereof we had plenty for which Captain Newport kindly required their least favors with bells, pins, needles, beads, or glasses, which so contented them that his liberality made them follow us from place to place. And ever kindly to respect us. Captain John Smith, a true relation of such occurrences and accidents of notes as hath appeared in Virginia. Captain Newport goes off exploring with eight or nine gentlemen and a dozen sailors. They leave in the sh- shallop, the small boat they put together here in Virginia, so they will be able to navigate the narrow riverways. He takes Captain Smith along to be an interpreter for, with the Indians. They go in search of gold and silver and to find that new passage to the Orient everyone is talking about. They don't take many provisions with them. They say the last time they went exploring, each time they approached a village, the natives invited them in and fed them like kings. In Jamestown, we continue to work. We build a chapel for Reverend Hunt. We hang an old sail between four trees as an awning to protect us from sun and rain and nail a bar between two trees for the pulpit. The walls are rails of wood that let the sunlight ride in, and logs on the ground are our pews. Reverend Hunt calls us together for prayer, to thank the Almighty for all that we have, and to ask for protection. It has not rained, and our wheat fields and gardens are wilting. We have found no fresh water springs nearby, and so we are still dependent on the river for water. Richard, James, and I spend the afternoon bringing buckets of water from the river, to dump on the tiny new shoots when i take a drink ugh, i find it still salty and i wonder if we are killing the young plants rather than saving them richard and james keep to themselves talking to each other but not to me uh, i think about what reverend hunt said about being kinder to james but if they treat me as if i'm not there how can i be nicer maybe not yelling at them not calling them names Not hitting them? Maybe that is enough. After supper, there is evening prayer in the new chapel. Reverend Hunt says he will have common prayer every morning and evening from now on, and two sermons on Sunday. By dusk, I am so tired I can hardly wait to get to bed. It is cloudy. There will be no moon tonight. I go off into the woods to relieve myself. I hear a rustling nearby. And squint in the half light but see nothing was it a deer maybe just a squirrel or a rabbit as i walk back to camp i hear the sound again and whip around this time i see a form something dark slip behind a tree the hair on the back of my neck bristles but maybe it's just one of the other men relieving himself as well who's there i call no answer I take a few steps towards the tree where the dark form slipped away Wingapo I call out silence it must have been a deer I think I go back to our camp I creep I creep into our tent and flop onto our bed it is the same bed that the three of us shared on the ship and by now the straw is rotting Henry and Abram's bed is crammed into our small tent as well but the two of them are still out playing cards with the sailors. Richard is already asleep, dead to the world, snoring softly. James stirs, and I know he is still awake. I think about saying goodnight to him in an effort to be more kind, but I am so tired, I just close my eyes, and I am almost instantly asleep. It dragged me out of a dream, a shriek like a devil's cry. At first, I think I'm still dreaming, but there is another sound, There's, you know, another piercing cry, then another, and soon the forest is ringing with the noise as if all the demons in hell have entered our camp. I bolt upright. I can barely see more than shadows. An arrow pierces our tent, and the <laughs> next to it. Richard lies there sprawled. He has already been shot. Get onto the mattress, both of you! I shout. Are they still enough afraid of me to obey? I'll go into the ships, James cries. He crawls towards the tent. Flap. No! I yell. I lunge after him, grab his ankle, and yank him back. Get under the mattress! No! I order him. Richard groans. He is either waking up or dying. James wiggles out of my grasp, heads towards the tent opening. I grab him, harder this time. He turns and sinks his teeth into the flush of my arm. "Ow!" snatch my hand back and in that split second James is out of the tent another arrow twangs past <coughs> my ear Richard is sitting up now rubbing his eyes I grasp the edge of our mattress dump Richard on the ground and then pull the mattress on top of both of us I can hear my own breathing the blood pumping my ears will the mattresses protect us? I remember the discussion an arrow will fly right through a mattress you idiot no it won't yes it will Won't, will. The argument rages in my head, my own head. I expect my moment to feel, I expect any moment to feel the sharp pain of an arrow through my chest. All around us, I hear footsteps shouting, that god awful shrieking, the twang of arrows being, men crying out in pain. Finally, I hear the musket fire. Kill them, I think. But the twanging of arrows continues. I feel the impact as an arrow hits our mattress. I feel no pain. Richard, are you hit? I shout. Silence. Then after a moment, I don't think so. I want to yell at him that this is a stupid answer. He's either in pain or he's not. But if I'm ever going to be nicer to James and Richard, now is the time. Do you hurt anywhere? I ask. He moves as if he's testing his body. No? No. Suddenly, there is a great boom. Someone has boarded one of the ships and is shooting the cannons. I hear crackling and a crash, the cannonball hitting a tree. Soon all is quiet. If someone made it to the ship safely, James could be there as well, I think. I feel sweaty and clammy under the mattress. I think we can come out now, I say to Richard we both heave the mattress off of us. Outside, men come around with torches calling out, who's wounded, who's shot, anybody. We crawl out of the tent and find Abram lying there, an arrow in his side. Uh, I was just coming to bed, he says in a weak voice. I guess I didn't quite make it. Here, I call, a man is wounded here. Two men come and lift Abram. "'He groans. "'We'll get you to the doctor,' they say. "'James, he went to the ships,' I tell Richard. "'We make our way down the river bank where our ships are moored. "'Along the way we step over arrows lying everywhere on the ground. "'Captain Gosnold comes walking up from the river. "'I realize he must be the one who fired the cannon. "'He is carrying something draped over his outstretched arms. "'In the gloom of the cloudy night,' I can't see what it is. I hear running footsteps behind us. Cotton, a man calls out, "That seventeen wounded, no one dead." The running man holds a torch, and as he comes closer, the torchlight glints off of Captain Gosnold's armor, and makes clear what he has in his arms. It is James. His thin body, lying limp. No, says Captain Gosnold gravely, "This won't be dead."